Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Friday, January 27th, and this is The Gateway. I'm Sarah Fenton. Ahead, old film footage of Native American dancers inspired composer James Lee III to meld indigenous and African-American music in his work. Their particular movements remind me so much of watching earlier hip-hop artists or people in African-American holiness or Pentecostal churches. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin talks with the composer about this weekend's world premiere at Powell Hall of a piece inspired by Cahokia Mounds. That's coming up, but first, this news. Efforts to make the Missouri Constitution harder to amend are moving quickly through the legislature. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports, there's some doubt whether voters will warm to those proposals. Earlier this week, a Missouri House committee passed measures raising the threshold required to amend the state constitution. Republican supporters contend it should be more difficult to change that document. But any proposal to raise the constitutional amendment threshold would need to go to a statewide vote. And Democratic State Representative Richard Brown of Kansas City has doubts that voters would approve. I think it's uh, demeaning to our citizens Republican politicians don't trust the people to vote the way that the GOP wants them to vote. An effort to, among other things, raise the bar to pass constitutional amendments failed resoundingly last year in Arkansas. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. A long-awaited 24-hour shelter for people without housing opened this week in St. Louis amid criticism of the project's speed. The 1.3 million safe havens opening comes more than two years after the city of St. Louis put aside federal rescue dollars for the project. According to St. Patrick's Center, the shelter, dubbed the Grace House, can serve anywhere from 24 to 40 people. Individuals who check into the shelter receive three meals a day, connection to support services and assistance with seeking permanent housing. In a press release, St. Patrick's Center Director Antonini Diagostino says the shelter is now operating as the nonprofit and the city finalized contract details. Many advocates for people struggling with housing say the shelter's opening comes long after it was needed. City officials defended the project's speed, warning anything rushed may have fallen short of what the city needs. St. Louis voters will have the opportunity to decide in April whether they want a committee to regularly review the city's charter. Mayor Tashara Jones announced on Thursday she had signed a bill placing charter commission on the ballot. If it's approved by voters, a nine-member citizens commission would meet every 10 years to review the charter and propose changes. Nominations for the first one would open in August of this year, and the commission would hold its first meeting no later than September. Members would have a year to do their work. Any proposed changes would go to voters. St. Louis County asks its voters whether to form a similar commission every 10 years. This weekend, the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra gives a world premiere to Visions of Cahokia, a piece it commissioned from composer James Lee III. This will be the fourth piece by the in-demand composer that the orchestra has performed. It's inspired by Lee's visit to the Cahokia Mounds in Collinsville, the site of one of the largest Native American settlements in North America. 
St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin asked Lee about blending cultures in his music and how Visions of Cahokia references its historic namesake. So it's in three movements. The first movement is actually the beginning, kind of the dawn, the idea of moving towards wanting to create this kind of mega city. And the notes are climbing so that you have this impression that you are ascending the, the mound itself. Ah. Yeah. This week, St. Louis Symphony Orchestra had its very first rehearsal of the piece. Let's listen to some of that. The second movement is called Naimi, and Naimi is a Choctaw word, and that means faith, because Cahokia was also a religious center. And it's more plaintive, that movement is much more calm, as if certain uh, people are singing out to God, whom, whom they call Chihoa, that was in the Choctaw language. The last movement is basically one that's more playful, it's uh, like a game I actually tried to evoke the idea of chunke or chunky, this game where there was a disc they would roll on the ground and then throw like some kind of stick towards it to try to see who could get closer. And musically it's hard to kind of imagine that. So have you been in touch with native people in, in the area here? Has anyone is anyone playing on the piece? from that community or part of the process in any way? No, it's been all um, either from what I've read or from what I've listened to online. Um, I have such a schedule that I'm usually pressed for time to work on a lot of different pieces that I do my own independent uh, research plan. I kind of limit the time I'm um, I'm in extra uh, discussions with others. Mm -hmm. Thinking about other other old musical forms that you've worked with, have uh, African-American spirituals made their way into any of your work, I believe oh, so? Oh, sure, sure. The, the work American, um, the, another orchestral piece inspired by parts of American Indian history. In that particular work, I used the Negro spiritual, Here's One. And I cast it in the flute, and if one hears it, it actually will remind them of not only Negro spiritual, but what might be considered to be a Native American song. Is there a relationship between the, the music of Native Americans and African Americans historically? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that Dvorak, Antonin Dvorak, when he was here and, and when he was advocating for American composers to incorporate music of Negro American composers and Native Americans, he actually thought that much of the music sounded the same, and I'm thinking probably because of the similar uh, scale structure in terms of pentatonicism, or five pitches or minor scales that were incorporated. That kind of pathos that you really hear in terms of the kind of uh, depth and the kind of the sadness that you might hear in some of those minor scales that are incorporated in both music. And even in my flute concerto, I actually wrote in the third movement a piece that would kind of convey the idea of the ghost dance in American music or Native American music. And I juxtaposed that with holy ghost dances in holiness black churches. Tell me about the ghost dance. I don't yeah, know what that so is. so in in the ghost dance, just looking at their movements. So the way they were kind of dancing and the, the, just their 
particular movements reminded me so much of watching earlier hip-hop artists or people in African-American holiness or Pentecostal churches mm. in the praise breaks. That was composer James Lee III speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. David Cazares edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Sarah Fenton. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.